Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan, a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and I'm here with Father Michael Diascanis, who's the pastor of St. Philip Neri and also St. Clement's Parish. Uh, Welcome, Father Michael. Thank you. Good to be here. Our topic for today is engaging in the spiritual battle. We're in the month of October. There's a lot of questions about Halloween or All Hallows' Eve and question about the supernatural. Uh, Father Michael, why do, you, why do many people not believe in the supernatural or supernatural realities? Well, at Halloween time, people seem interested in the supernatural, uh, the spooky. But generally today, there's a push to say we believe what we can see. If we can't see it, if you can't prove it scientifically, I don't believe it. But Pope Benedict reminded us that the things we're most interested in, the things that are most important to us, in fact, are not visible or physical. Friendship, love, goodness. So whether it's on the the positive side, things we desire, or the negative side, things that are spooky, uh, the supernatural is real. So there's even shows about haunted houses and things. What would be the Catholic or the Christian understanding of, of these things? If there is some. What's interesting, people say they don't believe in the supernatural or the spiritual, but if you go to any red box, a big percentage of the movies are horror movies, right? We say we don't believe in it, and yet we're fascinated by it, and people watch it all the time. They like to to ponder the supernatural, and I guess part of us likes to be scared by the supernatural. I personally don't like horror movies. (laughs) But uh, the question, can, can something be haunted? Is there such thing as a haunted house? And Catholic theology has space for that and has some understanding. Can you give some examples? Well, one of the things that Jesus clarified for humans when he came to earth, he he revealed very clearly that there's three kinds of persons in the universe. That there's the person of God. Jesus revealed there's actually three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's human persons, which is pretty obvious to us, men and women. And there's angelic persons. There's these invisible spirits that... The Bible talks about from the first book of Genesis to the last book of Revelation. From beginning to end, the Bible talks about angels. Jesus clearly spoke about angels, including fallen angels, the demons. So if we say a house is haunted, seems to be some supernatural presence there. It could be the Holy Spirit of God, who's usually not spooky. It could be a fallen angel, whom we call demons, who are spooky and dangerous. Or it could be perhaps a human person who died whose soul is at, not at rest, whose soul is not in heaven. In Catholic theology, we would say maybe in purgatory, this in-between state, and perhaps making his presence known because he desires prayer. So I remember in the case of Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio, he would have people visit him and basically ask for his prayers. People and who had with, died. Yes. Hmm. And so St. Padre Pio had someone would come and visit him and said, Padre Pio, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm experiencing purgatory, and he would pray for him, and the soul would come back and thank him, and then go to heaven. So and then that was at really, rest, and yes. wouldn't be present anymore. I mean, the curious thing that we we seem to sense that there's the presence of spirits around cemeteries. Well, that only makes sense if they're the souls of those who died, who might be buried there, or by a battlefield, or a house in which someone died. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that perhaps it's the human soul 
making its presence known, really not trying to scare us, but just to be recognized. And the Catholic response would be to pray for that person. So in some cases, can you, ha- you could have someone who might be a soul in need of prayer if it was supernatural. In some cases, in the case of the demonic, if a person opened themselves up to things or the house or people who lived in the house prior to the person living there might have opened it up. Or in another cases, it could be a mouse in the attic, <laughs> the noises that you hear. Very natural explanation. Yeah, sometimes there can be natural explanations and in this reality, but we do believe in the supernatural. Interestingly, the presence of ghosts can only be explained by Catholic theology because we have the theology of purgatory, an in-between state of preparation for heaven. In some Protestant theology, once you die, you either go straight to hell or straight to heaven, which doesn't leave room for human ghosts. But in Catholic theology, it fits in. There is a sense of that. I remember someone explaining in terms of we do have experience of apparitions of saints appearing to people or the Blessed Mother at Fatima or in Lourdes. And that reality is that's part of our tradition. And can that happen? Yes. Do we need to be discerning about it? Yes. (laughs) And not automatically assume that just because we think we saw something and that automatically means it is. Yes, we should always be discerning with it. If I can share with you too, I remember twice where people asked me to bless houses because of some up a notch things were going on in the house. In, in both cases, it turned out to those were homes where drugs and prostitution took place. So Seriously. you can imagine, yeah, if people are opening themselves up through uh, choices that are uh, that are destructive, that are that, that uh, harmful to the human person, again with bodies with drugs or prostitution, that certainly the idea of having a house blessed or being cleansed is a, is a very nat- natural, uh, really spiritual and supernatural remedy. Serious sin can invite evil spirits, the fallen angels, the demons. And the remedy is prayer, but it's not magic. So the priest can come and pray, but it's not going to have lasting effect unless the people in the house are praying. They have to be seeking holiness. They have to invite the Holy Spirit of God into the house, into their soul. They have to invite the good angels, the guardian angels. So the priest will come to pray, but kind of contingent on the fact that the people in the house are going to pray too. Right. So pray, and also if there's areas of life to to rid the area of, of, of sin. And the sacrament of confession in the Catholic theology. Can you speak about what it means to engage in a spiritual battle? I know the church has a rich understanding of the three enemies. Can you speak to that? Yes, we uh, speak of three sources of temptation, the devil, the flesh, the world, the flesh being your own body. Um, the devil being one that we usually blame for temptation when things go wrong. We blame the devil. It's not always the devil. It <laughs> can also right. be the world around us or ourselves. But the reality of struggle, that each of us individually has a struggle. Uh, We have a conflict within our souls. Part of us wants to be good. Part of us is attracted to being bad. St. Paul said, why is it that the good I want to do, I don't do, and the bad I don't want to do, I do? So Paul experienced that himself. So for sure, we experience it as well. And we call that the effect of the original sin. So there's a division in our own heart that sometimes we desire a good thing in the wrong way, which is sin. And I think that's important to know that this idea that we just blame the devil. And sometimes I'll hear that on Christian radio where someone said, well, the devil's just out to get to me. The devil's just out to get to me. And sometimes you could just see it's a battle that within, well, the devil may encourage it or even you know, try to inspire it. Not everything's the devil. And the fact that we have this rich understanding of the th- of three enemies, uh, of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Can you speak about the, the battle against the, the fallen world? So uh, that spiritual struggle in ourself, that brokenness within us, but the the world around us tempts us. Someone frustrates us and we're tempted to anger. 
others tempt us to do inappropriate things. The computer today, a big source of temptation to look at inappropriate things, pornography. Our friends who have negative peer pressure to do things we know we shouldn't do. So clearly the world around us is tempting us to do things that are contrary to our Christian faith, as well as sometimes that temptation comes from within us. We want something good, but in the wrong way. We like food, but we eat too much or not enough, or we like alcohol, but we drink too much. Or, But then also the reality of there is a evil force, an evil person, the devil and the demons, who are that third source of temptation. And sometimes they can work together. The fallenness of the human nature and the evil one can inspire that. The temptations of uh, the wrong peer group, obviously coming from campus ministry, that experience of working with young people or young adults, that that old adage and timeless wisdom that you show me your friends, I'll show you your future is real. You show me your friends, if you hang out with people who are making good choices, certainly it's going to help you. If you spend a lot of time with people who are not making good choices, it's just a matter of time that they can have a significant influence on the choices that you make. Right, and it is tied into the influence of the evil one, as we said, because even that division in our heart, the book of Genesis explains that it's the result of the original sin of Adam and Eve who were tempted by the devil, the snake in the garden, and then the effect of that sin uh, comes down to us today. Or the devil could tempt someone else who tempts us, the world around us. So the devil, in a sense, is the force of evil in the world, but sometimes that temptation is directly from him, sometimes it's indirect. In the whole mystery of that, in, in regards to the temptations of the flesh, the Lord gives us grace, especially through the sacraments. The temptations from the world, we can surround ourselves with good and holy friendships. In the temptation of the devil, we can also uh, speak of our guardian angel, who God sends to help us along the way. So it is a great, great blessing that our guest today is Father Michael Diascanis. We'll continue our conversation in a moment. I'm Father Brian Nolan, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The second annual Archdiocese of Baltimore Rosary Congress begins today, Sunday, October 7th, and runs through Saturday, October 13th. Held at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in downtown Baltimore, the event features presentations on Our Lady of Fatima, special masses, opportunities for confession, a music concert in memory of Monsignor Arthur Valenzano, and around-the-clock adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. The rosary will be prayed every hour on the hour. Organizers hope participants will grow in their relationship with Christ and pray for peace. For more information, a full schedule, and to sign up for adoration, visit archbalt.org slash rosarycongress. Again, that address is archbalt.org slash rosarycongress. Catholic aid agencies were among those working to assess the needs and get relief to Indonesia following a devastating earthquake and tsunami that left more than 1,200 people dead. Indonesia's disaster agency said October 2nd the death toll from the magnitude 7.5 earthquake and tsunami was expected to rise as rescuers pulled bodies from the rubble, according to Catholic News Service. Nearly 800 people were severely injured, and nearly 50,000 people were displaced by the disaster. Yeni Suryani, country manager for Baltimore-based Catholic Relief Services, the U.S. Church's International Relief and Development Agency, said humanitarian groups were struggling to get aid to people in two hard-hit cities. Responders and local aid groups are having to drive over land 10 to 12 hours, Suryani said. That means a bottleneck for relief supplies in coming days. Landslides are hindering road travel in some places. 
For more on this story and for information on making a donation to a relief fund, visit catholicreview.org. Again, that address is catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android, and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan and we're talking with Father Michael Diascanis. He's the pastor of St. Philip Neri in St. Clement. And the topic for today is engaging in the spiritual battle. We are, as the secular world is celebrating Halloween, we celebrate as All Hallows' Eve on the eve of All Saints' Day. But there is in the air the talk about angels and fallen demons and the supernatural. Can you speak about spiritual dangers, about things that Catholics Christians should be aware of? Well, the whole topic of Halloween is interesting because Christians some disagree on how to handle it. Can it be a fun thing? Is it a dangerous thing? One way of looking at it, you have Halloween, October 31st, All Souls, All Saints, November 1st, All Souls, November 2nd. From the Catholic perspective, on Halloween, you think of hell, the spooky things. On all saints, you think of heaven, the saints in heaven, and all souls, you think of purgatory. So I think if you have it in that context, and on Halloween, you're almost kind of sticking your tongue out at the devil a little bit, that we're not afraid of no ghosts because we know that the power of good is uh, triumphs and that all things are under God's dominion. So, But the devil is real, and he is spooky. He has power. We speak of him as an angel, a pure spirit. He doesn't have a body. The Bible talks about him. In the first book of Genesis, it talks about the devil as the snake in the garden who tempts Eve to turn away from God and disobey. The book of Revelation speaks of the devil himself disobeying God at the end of the Bible, that he was an angel in heaven, but then he chose to disobey God. His name was Lucifer. And so one of the archangels, Michael, cast him out of heaven. But in doing so, we're encouraged because we see the good angels are stronger than the fallen angels. But the devil is real. He's an evil spirit. And he has other angels who work with him. We call them, commonly call them demons. What would you say would be some things to be aware of so people aren't dabbling? Things like uh, the occult that could be common in the day that could open yourself up to, to darkness and evil. So just as we believe that when we pray to good angels or saints or God, things happen, good things. If you call upon evil spirits, bad things will happen. It's all real. So you don't fool with evil. If you pray indiscriminately or you seek to tap into the supernatural or the spiritual world without doing it the way Jesus told us, you may find some spirits you wish you had never found, evil spirits. So we do be careful not to dabble in superstitious practices that aren't Christian because we could invite those demons into our life and sometimes even dramatically into our soul. 
Can you give some examples of things to stay away from and to make sure children stay away from them? Right. So anything that's ambiguous in the spiritual realm today, very common. You see more and more palm readers or fortune tellers opening up shop for business. Don't go there. Not even as a joke. You may think it's a joke, but you don't know the person who's doing it. You're opening your soul, making yourself vulnerable to a complete stranger who may be very bad intentioned. Um, with children, even games that tie into the supernatural, you we think of Ouija boards. Even on TV, you see people who are mediums who are trying to connect with the dead and contact the dead, but not in the way that Jesus told us. See, Paul, Saul, the king of Israel, tried to do that and was condemned for doing it, that it's actually a sinful act. You're exposing yourself to evil, the influence of evil. And even if it's in the name of good, that's, that's sometimes it could be someone trying to contact a lost loved one, but the commandments say we don't contact the dead in that way. Not that you can't speak to your loved one, but this idea of using a medium is is spiritually dangerous. That idea that you can speak with your, obviously lift up prayers for a loved one who has died. You know, are there times that the Lord can allow someone from who's with the Lord to comfort you? That can happen. I've heard of, of cases of that. But that idea of being careful of dabbling in the occult. Again, we would that, say it, it violates the first commandment. Thou shalt not have false gods before me that we put everything under God. We, we seek God. We seek the spiritual realm the way God showed us. That's the, that's the importance of religion. People don't like organized religion, some people today. Religion is an organized way of trying to connect with the spiritual. If you try to find your own way, again, you may find some evil spirits and invite them into your life. What about just the understanding? Sometimes when we think about the devil, we stereotype the devil. How would you explain the stereotypes and really our understanding of the fallen angels? Well, I think he can be just stereotyped on two extremes. One, that he's kind of cute and funny, and we don't take him seriously. We caricature him. Even people who dabble in Satanism because they think it's curious or fun, they don't realize how ferocious and dangerous he can be. So on one side, we cannot take him seriously enough. On the other side, we can give him too much credit and too much power. We can feel hopeless in his presence. We can feel that he's influencing the world for evil, and that we don't have hope that things will turn out well. Scripture tells us Jesus showed us that God has more power, that the devil is a creature too. He was created by God as an angel who chose to disobey God. But God has ultimate power over him as the creator, even though he does give him a certain realm of influence in the world. There's an author who wrote a book. He's an exorcist over in Italy. His name is Father Livio Fanzaga. He wrote a book called The Deceiver. It was Roman Catholic Books and is the publisher in the year 2000. And this is what he wrote about the devil. He said, Hidden behind the wickedness of the flesh and the false lights of the worldly fair of vanities, the untiring and ferocious adversary of God and the enemy of man works. He says, Satan's not a visible enemy like the flesh of the world, but he's very real. His shrewdness consists in hiding himself. In this way, he achieves the greatest success. Your ability to discover him in the innumerable situations of life where he hides to set traps for you. It's interesting, the idea of traps or temptations is an image that St. John Bosco saw. Especially, he would, he would, he would see the, the traps that were set up for uh, the, the young men that he, was, uh, that he was serving in the orphanage. Can you speak about the mystery of temptation and the trap set by the evil one? So the devil is miserable, ultimately, because he can't go to heaven. He can't have that full joy. But as we say, misery loves company, so he wants to destroy other souls to bring them to hell with him, which is permanent separation from God. And so he does tempt us. He traps us to commit serious sins where we reject God. 
Uh, a mortal sin in Catholic theology is a sin that kills our relationship with God. It's so serious that it forces the Holy Spirit out of our soul. If we die without the Holy Spirit in our soul, not in a state of grace, we'll go to hell. So that's the devil's goal. And so to take him seriously, to recognize temptations arise, to call them out as temptations, and in a sense even to rebuke them can be very healthy. To rebuke the evil and say, you know, God, I, I ask you to be in my presence to protect me from the evil one. Uh, a prayer that I have earlier, we talked about the three kinds of persons, divine persons, human persons, angelic persons. So I call upon all three realms. I say Jesus, Mary, and Michael. <laughs> Jesus, who's a divine person, Mary, who's a human person, and Michael, the archangel, who's an angelic person, intercede for me. Call upon all the forces of good in the universe to protect us from the evil one. Why is the devil afraid of Mary? <laughs> Often Mary as a statue is depicted stepping on the head of a snake, crushing the snake, which is a symbol of the devil. The devil's afraid of Mary because she never sinned. There was no effect of sin on her. He couldn't touch her. And that frustrates him. He wants to destroy human beings. There was one human being who never sinned. And as such, she it was full of God's grace of the Holy Spirit. And so the devil shrinks before God and the goodness and the power of God. And that Mary brought Jesus to the world. She brought God to us historically and in our theology, we believe she continues to bring us to God, to Jesus. So Mary is interacting in human history and thwarting the interaction of the devil. I think it's fascinating that idea of what is the devil afraid of? Well, obviously, Jesus Christ won full victory, right? He conquered sin and Satan. So there's something powerful about it. Not something. The name of Jesus is powerful. Mary, who never said no to God, she has great power. But one other thing that he's afraid of that I remember someone reminded me is that he... Uh, fears humility. He fears humility. He fears the repentant sinner because someone who comes humble uh, before the Lord, like God can do a lot with humility. Can you speak to that a little bit? St. Peter says to the humble, God gives grace. You have to believe you need God's help. You have to, in a sense, beg for God's help and he will give you grace. The Holy Spirit will fill your soul, which will give you strength to chew good and to avoid evil. When you face temptation, it will give you the strength to resist it. This fundamental sin of the devil, we believe, as Lucifer, is he, in pride, refused to obey God. Even though God was his creator, God was all good, he did not want to obey. So it was a sin of disobedience, and he seeks to foster that pride in us, whereas Mary, as you said, was completely humble. Lord, let it be done to me according to your will. And if we can foster that attitude in ourselves, then we'll be full of grace as well. So just as a reminder that every one of us is in a spiritual battle with our three enemies, the flesh, our fallen nature, the world, the, not all of the world, but the fallenness of the world, and the devil. And that reminder that not everything's the devil, but the reality is don't underestimate the devil. But on the flip side, don't overestimate him as well, because we have the power of God and ultimately his grace. The last thing also to know is we encourage you to pray the guardian angel prayer every day. If you don't know it, you should look it up and maybe teach your children. The angel of God as we pray, angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, Ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Well, we thank you, Father Michael Diascanis, for coming on Catholic Baltimore today. Please tune in every week. Many blessings to you, and may the Lord always give us the grace to persevere in the spiritual battle. May God bless you. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. 
New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.